morning. It's Thursday. We're doing McGrawl. It's a Dog's Life by Bob Balaban. Chapter two. Guess who's coming to dinner? At last we were home. The smells of Mrs. Wiggins' famous chicken pot pie wafted through the house, causing McGrawl's nose to twitch and his eyes to water. If you're really good, I'll save you a piece. McGraw shot Thomas a testy look. Okay, two pieces. The dog didn't seem convinced. A cherry pie and vanilla ice cream. The dog eagerly licked his lips and bounded up the stairs. Violet hurried off to her house and Thomas ran upstairs to change for dinner. As he searched for just the right pair of pants, his thoughts turned to the big dog show. Obedience trials were tomorrow after school. Thomas had been dreaming about having a pet to enroll at the annual event as for as long as he could remember and was eager to show off McGraw's prowess. The top five dogs in obedience trials would go on to compete in the big dog show, which was in several weeks. Louis Munster, the class bully, was already telling everybody his dog, Spike, would be taking home the grand prize, an enormous silver trophy, but Thomas was planning on giving him a run for his money. The fact that McGraw was able to effortlessly understand everything Thomas was thinking was definitely going to be a plus in the command and obey division. Whether he would feel like obeying was a different story. Thomas finished combing his hair and ran downstairs. Mr. Wiggins was in the living room with his boss, Al Lundquist, attempting to impress him. Mrs. Lundquist was in, a, was in the powder room freshening up. Thomas was never exactly sure what that term meant. Nothing he ever did in the bathroom seemed to make anything fresher. Thomas's brother, Roger, loved chicken pot pie, but was having a steady date with Violet's sister, Alicia. If he continued getting D's in chemistry, he wouldn't be able to play in the all-city playoffs. So far, the only thing that studying with Alicia seemed to be improving was war Roger's wardrobe. Every time he went over to her house, he put on a new outfit and a ton of cologne his father bought, brought back from Perfume Makers of America convention. You look very nice, honey, said Mrs. Wiggins to her son, but your shirt sticking out a little in the back. Thomas tucked the offending piece of material quickly back into his pants and looked around the gleaming kitchen. His mother had somehow managed to cook an elaborate five-course meal without dirtying a single dish. The room looked as immaculate as it did before breakfast. This is a very big night for your father, she said, arranging mint sprigs artfully on a beautiful lacquered tray filled with dizzying array of condiments. He's about this far away from landing a wonderful new account. She demonstrated by holding up two sprigs of a fraction of an inch apart from each other. We want to make sure everything goes perfectly. She whirled out of she whirled out the door, placed the tray carefully on the dining room table, and tinkled a little crystal bell that was reserved only for the most special occasions. Dinner, everyone, she called out in a voice as delicate as the bell. The candles twinkled gaily in Thomas's, as Thomas's father unfolded his ingenious campaign for Mr. Lundquist's most important new client, Mel 
Munchnik. Mr. Munchnik was running for mayor and the public relations firm of Lundquist and Bean had been selected to design and execute a strategy for the entire campaign, including a television commercial. Mr. Wiggins was desperate to be chosen to oversee this monumental task. Thomas had to admit everything certainly was going well. Mr. Lundquist seemed especially interested in the citywide parade and handshaking tour Mr. Wiggins was proposing with a kind of precision even Thomas found impressive. Mr. Lundquist leaned forward, deposited his many chins on his folded hands, and listened to with an intensity that could only be described as ferocious. Mr. Wiggins finished his proposal and paused dramatically. Be- beads of sweat glistened on his forehead. Every eye at the table turned to Mr. Lundquist to see which way the tide was turning. What I want to know is this, finally he finally announced, polishing off the third helping of potatoes, lyonnaise. Why aren't you, I? Why aren't I paying you more? Everyone laughed merrily, and Mr. Winkus Quis, Wiggins aimed a secret little smile at Mrs. Wiggins' direction. She beamed back excitedly. And then Thomas noticed movement on the stairs. His heart practically stopped. The tip of a long, bushy yellow tail could be seen speeding past the little hallway that opened, that separated the kitchen from the dining room. Oh no, he groaned softly. What's the matter, sweetheart? Mrs. Wiggins asked carefully, casually. The answer was a resounding yes, but Thomas just stared into space and tried to think of a way to get the dog back upstairs without anyone noticing. Evidently the dog of all the smell of all the delicious food had inflamed the dog's insatiable appetite and he had snuck down for a pre-dinner snack. Honey, are you all right? Mrs. Wiggins was getting concerned. Need water. Thomas could scarcely get the words out. He lurched from the table and started to the kitchen. You sit right back down, son. I'll bring in the pitcher. And Thomas's said Thomas's father I think we all could use a little ice-cold agua. Everyone chuckled appreciatively as Mr. Wiggins, feeling just a little bit full of himself, strode into the, proudly into the kitchen. Thomas sat back down and waited for disaster to strike. It didn't take long. Mr. Wiggins entered the kitchen and immediately spotted McGraw standing right smack in the middle of the kitchen table. He froze terrified. The dog was finishing the last scrap of the pie. His face was covered in ice cream. Juice from the cherries was dripping down his chin and all over his paws. If you didn't know better, you might think the dog was foaming at the mouth and covered in blood, which was, of course, precisely what Mr. Wiggins thought. There's nothing to fear. Nothing at all. No fear. No fear. He mumbled incoherently to himself and started tiptoeing backward, hoping the dog wouldn't notice him. Unfortunately, he knocked over a chair and crashed into the wall, frightened McGraw, who looked up abruptly and slipped on some cherry juice. The dog went flying th- across the room right into the arms of the petrified man. 
All Mr. Wiggins could do was cry for help. Monster, monster, there's a monster in the kitchen. McGraw flew out the window faster than the proverbial speeding bullet. The entire table scrambled in to see what was the matter. A red-faced Mr. Wiggins standing on the floor covered with ice cream and cherries, crying. Nobody could think of a thing to say. At last, Mrs. Lincoln's Lindquist broke the ice. I guess he was just too hungry to wait for the rest of us. Mr. Lundquist thought this was just about the funniest thing he had ever heard and began laughing uproariously. Mrs. Lundquist joined in happily, followed by a somewhat tentative Mrs. Wiggins and a decidedly shaky Thomas. Even Mr. Wiggins managed to croak out a couple of hearty guffaws, but he mostly... He most certainly did not enjoy playing the fool on his big night. He promised himself then and there to make sure this sort of thing never, ever happened again. McGraw was in big trouble. Tomorrow is Chapter 3, Crime and Punishment. Have a good day.